Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Welcome to Codish. My name is Julian Duque. I am a developer advocate here at Salesforce and Heroku. And today we are going to be continuing with the synthetized media a series of episodes we have been talking about. Remember, on our previous episode, we were talking about the ethical side of deepfakes or synthetized media. And we had Alex from Real speaking with us about it. Today, we have the opportunity to be speaking with Dimitro Bilitsov. He's the CEO and co-founder of Re-Speecher. Hello, Dimitro. How are you doing? Hi, Julian. Uh, thanks for having me. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do at Re-Speecher? Let's see. So, uh, yeah, basically me and uh, Grant Reber together, we're overseeing the technical side of things. And that basically includes two main, there are two main activities right now. It's like one of them is uh, we're working on research. There's a lot of research and machine learning. We're trying to figure out the ways to, you know, to make the system more robust and higher quality and, you know, better sounding, these obvious things. And also we have a technical, more of a, like a software side of things where um, we work on, on a certain set of web tools that help us and our clients to like create data sets and uh, use the use the, the machine learning part of things, make it a little bit more usable. Can you remind our audience a little bit about Respeecher, the company, and what do you exactly do in the market? Basically, at Respeecher, we... Uh, we build this software that lets one actor speak in the voice of another actor. And uh, so this is a speech-to-speech voice conversion software that's sort of similar to deepfakes, but for, for audio. And our main market right now is uh, film industry, where you can free up the voice of an actor, make, make, make an actor scale their voice and, you know, kind of use it for both pre-production and maybe help with ADR. And also, of course, for like actors who are no longer available for certain reasons, maybe they're sick. Maybe some of them like are historical people who like died a long time ago. So with with consent from, from their estates or from, from themselves, we uh, try to use software and machine learning to, to help them scale their voices. Oh, nice. On, on on our previous episode, I learned something very important. Like the technical term behind is synthetized media, but the popular name that you are going to get out there it's a deep fake. Of course, yeah. So let's explain to our audience what is a deep fake. Right. So uh, yeah, there are lots of interpretations, lots of different like meanings. Like originally, deep fakes appeared when people first. Uh, try to use GANs, which are generative adversarial networks. It's just a special kind of neural networks. They, they applied them to generate uh, moving faces of people, to sort of reanimate faces of people and make them say things or, or appear in videos, which the original people never appeared on. So that's why it's called deep fake, because it uses deep learning, deep neural nets to, to fake a video and like replace a person there. 
And so that's, I mean, but that kind of stuck, this this term uh, stuck, and, and now it's used for like uh, basically everything that involves synthesizing a human appearance using a neural net. Because of course you could have done that uh, before with, with like CGI and computer graphics, but it usually involved much more, much more uh, resources and much more work. But now you can sort of use these uh, pre-trained neural nets to just so e easily place uh, faces or like whatever you want. So pretty much instead of having a producer or somebody like doing the models and changing things, we have a neural network doing all the work. R right, something on these, on these lines, except right now, if you want to do like a really high quality deep fake, I'm, I'm talking about visuals now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a really high quality deep fake, which people won't, will have like a very hard time telling apart from, from a real video. If you want to do that, you still need uh, a very specialized neural nets and you need to spend a lot of, you know, machine learning researchers time. And maybe you, I'm pretty sure you need to do a bunch of tweaking, manual tweaking. So for fun app applications, like, you know, just throwing a Elon Musk's face on whatever video you want. So that if well, like some music video or something that's that that works, but you can usually people can tell it right away. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do it for like a production grade video with, you know, 4K video or something, that's still pretty challenging. So um, and it's the same for speech. It's like you can easily do like a funny personalized text to speech thing, which sounds similar to Barack Obama, but to, to make it into a movie with, you know, like when it's isolated, high quality voice, it's a much bigger challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. I was just yesterday was uh, watching YouTube and I look at a video of uh, Penn and Teller, this uh, TV show called Fulas, when they have like magicians all over the world doing like crazy magical acts. And this was like this French magician that was doing like a very simple act by guessing a card. But he was using uh, the voice of Penn as if it were Penn speaking to him, like, or, or thinking. And it was, like, pretty much uh, Penn's voice. Penn was very surprised about him using his voice because it was, like, exactly his voice. And they never recorded the voice for the show. So first, how this work, or what are the types of different synthesized media that we can work with with a speech? Uh, for example, this magician, how was he able to imitate Penn's voice without having Penn working with him, like training a model? So can you explain a little bit about the technical side behind this? Yeah, it depends. There's like two different major types of like synthetic speech. And uh, those are the one that people are most familiar with is, uh, is uh, TTS which is text-to-speech, where you, where you take uh, some text and uh, you, you give it to the model and, and you get speech on the output. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of TTS models available there on the internet. Like on the internet, you can download them and well, with, with a little bit of skill, you can actually use them. So, I mean, I'm not sure about that specific case, but probably I would imagine it could have been TTS. And for the TTS to kind of work, you probably could get away with, um, I don't know, like several minutes of speech available somewhere. So, I mean, the best source of speech is usually an audiobook. So if some person recorded an audiobook, 
that's uh, that's usually a great sample because it's very homogeneous. It's recorded in you know in very controlled conditions. The distance from the mic doesn't change, and it's like several hours. So that's great. But uh, if you don't need that huge of, of quality, if your converted speech will be playing off of a cell phone and like in, in a room with a lot of reverberation, then you don't need you know that much of quality. And you get away with a lower quality synthetic algorithm. And for that, you don't need that much data. You can get away with several minutes of data, which you can scrape somewhere off of uh, YouTube and stuff like that. But I mean, that said, like in, 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 in reality, if you if you really want to have like high quality sound, you usually ask, like we usually ask our clients to provide us with data because if it's a studio, they have archives of, of recording, of high quality recordings they can just provide us with. And we'll, we'll use that as way better and way easier to work with than any any stuff that we can collect in public domain. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I, I imagine like text to speech, the result can be like plain. I imagine like it's going to be like difficult, I guess, to add like emotion, intonation, like to to be able to imitate the personality of the people behind the voice. Tell us about like speech to speech. Which I think this is the like the most difficult case. Well, just like one side note regarding text to speech, it's actually there are examples in research li literature of really good text to speech, really good emotional text to speech. But the problem is you can't like, precisely control it. It's hard to control text to speech because you, the means of input are text, and maybe some uh, you know you, you can annotate it somehow, but you oh. can't ask it to make a specific question part pattern or like specific intonation or stuff and nonverbal things. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that makes it a little bit harder to use for, for like uh, creative content. When it comes to speech to speech, the difference is uh, that we convert, we, uh, the, the algorithm or whatever does the synthesis takes speech on the input and generates speech on the output. But it keeps the content. It keeps the intonations. It keeps the emotion of the source actor, but it tries to replace the identity of the source and replace it with the identity of the target speaker. And there are many levels you can do speech-to-speech -speech voice conversion on. So like the most perfect speech-to-speech -speech you can imagine is if it also uh, adapted, you know, language because different people have different linguistic habits. So that's like the highest level possible voice conversion, which is, which is really hard because you need to, you need your neural network to not only parse the sounds of the input speech, but it should also understand what it's about and, you know, take the words and replace them with the more, you know, with the words that are more, more uh, typical of the, the target speaker. So we don't work on that level. We work on, on a slightly lower level where we replace uh, phonemes and uh, things that are kind of peculiar to, to the target speaker. It's like, so sort of the way you pronounce different sounds, you can they can have slightly different durations. Like like say my A in certain contexts might be longer than or shorter than, than your A in these in the same context. So these things we, we try to convert, try to like replace. And also the the quality of the sound itself, like the, its spectral its spectral profile, the deformance. So like my A sounds different from your A because the resonant frequency frequencies and my mouth are different from the resonant frequencies in your mouth because it's got, you know, slightly different shape. And this is what uh, the network tries to to capture and, and uh, consistently change so that 
on the output, it sounds like me and not like you. Let's say we want to do a deep fake of my voice and we train the model and we have enough data and everything. This will be also able to imitate my accent, for example, like how I pronounce English and the strong pieces of my accent or is not there yet. It really depends. If there would be a person with similar accent on the input, then it would be fine. But it's it's kind of cheating. Uh, you you can you can think it's cheating because we're reusing accent of a different person that's similar to your accent. But if it would be like an, an I don't know, like an American native speaker or a British a person with a British accent or like whatever diff, whatever other other accent, then um, it will kind of be a mixture on the output. So we're not there yet in terms of converting accents. It's it's a little bit more difficult than we initially anticipated because like when we started the company, we thought it would be you know we'll, we'll kind of solve it in a year or something. But then it turned out that oh no, <laughs> this is... we're here for we're here for much longer. <laughs> but yeah, but it's it's kind of exciting anyway. So uh, we are like on very. Uh serious times and this technology is very powerful that can be used as we say it for good and entertainment and uh keeping history i mean I, we can see like a lot of different good uses but also there may be like certain bad actors that definitely are going to use this for for the bad can you tell us how can we start identifying these uh, synthesized media? How can we uh, see if this is going to be the real deal or is just a fake speech? There are like technology or tips you can give us to be able to train ourselves to identify this type of synthesized media. When it comes to us, I guess like one, one important thing that we're doing that we're doing to prevent this is we like try to work exclusively with uh, B2B and not actually publishing a B2C apps that just anyone can use because, well, it, by working with studios, well, first of all, of all, we can afford, you know, much more time and, and, and resources to focus on, on a specific voice and make sure that it sounds great. Another reason is that it's like a trusted studio. So the likelihood that it will, you know, just all of a sudden start abusing the voice is, is like close to none. Another thing is uh, like audio watermarking, which is also kind of could be useful for people who are consuming media. And uh, like watermarking is just, is basically the idea is, is the same as with images, is to sort of embed certain code in the audio such that it's, it's imperceptible by humans. You can't tell that there's something, but a specific program can easily identify it. And of course, like no watermark is perfect. Like a perfect watermark would be totally imperceptible by a person, by a human, but it will be 100% uh, detectable by a program no matter what happens to the audio. But there's always, you know, a degree of corruption that you can apply to audio. You can like re-encode it a million times. You can cut frequencies. You can play it, you know, lower the quality, add some noise, play with a like, ton of reverb. And then it will be extremely difficult to for the program to still kind of identify that watermark. But uh, the good news is that, um, like with video, like huge companies like, like Facebook, Twitter, or like you know these these networks where you find information, they're kind of investing a lot of money into you know deepfake detection algorithms. 
I believe that even now, I mean, it works to some extent. And so Twitter would notify you, if I'm not mistaken, about about like a potential deep fake in the video. So that's that's one thing. So you should be trying to watch for those signs. And another big helpful thing is there are very typical artifacts for synthetic speech. One of the artifacts that we're actually like fighting with is when it becomes slightly what we call like phasey. It almost sounds like there are two people speaking at the same time. So that that's one kind of noticeable artifact. Others are maybe some weird mistakes or mispronunciations that are, you know, like very improbable for humans. Like like if I suddenly replace an O sound with A sound or or if my S is kind of shaky. Yeah, like with these neural nets, actually, it's, it's pretty it's pretty universal. I hear it in many, many, you know, popular YouTube audio deepfakes videos is, is that you can hear sometimes that is an effect similar as, as if a person has a little bit of like water in their mouth. When they speak, it starts like shaking, shaking a little bit. So I would probably recommend going on YouTube and listening to a ton of generated synthetic speech and, and trying to trying to listen what, what it is. Like you listen very carefully in good headphones and then you can sort of develop a pretty good ear with, with deepfakes. Right, right now for us, it's pretty easy usually to detect. But I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be like this for much longer. Okay, are people working more technology around identifying and protecting this type of content? Is there any standardization committee or group of companies trying to do something together around this topic? Yeah, there's um, there's this group uh, of companies that work on audio, not necessarily audio, but some other deep fakes like like us, the Modulate AI, some some other companies, and we have this. Uh, so there's like Slack community that we like we try to see what's going on there and, and try to like find the ways of you know keeping the tech from, from being misused. There's also companies that you know work specifically for audio watermarking. And that's all they like basically all they do. We we're sort of like in the process of trying one company's watermark just to see how it compares to, to whatever we have at home. Because we'll probably, I mean, they invested much more time in this, so maybe maybe it's better. So one thing is watermarking and the other the other part of the thing is to just like educating people about this. A lot of it comes down to staying learned because like like with Photoshop, right? If if someone shows you like a perfectly Photoshop photo, there's it's really hard. I mean, there's some experts that can tell the difference, but for for like an average person, it's almost impossible to tell that this picture was photoshopped. But it doesn't seem to be that huge of a problem for us in real life because like everyone knows that it's very easy to Photoshop a picture. And then whenever you see something unusual, you're just, you're immediately very skeptical about it. And a quick fact check usually shows that it's, you know, it's a fake picture or something like that. So I think as soon as people become more educated, it's going to, it will be a similar, similar problem. Let's talk about the future. Is there any trend or new type of synthesized media that you see might be coming in the future or people are working on? The main directions for synthesized media right now are text, speech, and uh, audio. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see more powerful combinations of those because right now those are pretty, they go separate ways because like speech and video are sometimes combined. But when it comes to text, 
th those models are usually separate. But uh, of course, if you want to have like a truly powerful artificial intelligence that you know sounds and looks like a real person, you might you you want to combine a very powerful language model with with speech and audio. It's, it's not going to be around anytime soon. I feel I feel like we're really hitting this wall of of our models being too dumb to go beyond just uh, being a, like a parrot that repeats everything. So do you have any advice of uh, people that want to get into the technical side of synthesized media? Is there any community of developers or resources you can recommend? One thing is that you need to you need to be good at machine learning. It's not easy, but it's, it's th there's a lot of information out there. So there's like like deep learning courses and stuff. So assuming you have some machine learning experience, then when it comes to speech, Google DeepMind and uh, Google's Tacatron team are probably one of the one of the most interesting research re research groups there because they started basically a lot of a lot of like modern cool sounding text to speech models are based off of the the Tacatron architecture that was released a while ago. So if you just Google Tacatron, they have like a page with a whole bunch of papers and they start with this, you know, with their first paper, which was just this like, simple TTS model, but yet that was based on actual, you know, deep neural nets entirely without any classical uh, things inside. And it was great, but then they kept publishing more and more paper and made it like more emotional. They made it more personalized. They made it multi-speaker. They added like a whole bunch of interesting things and and like improved it. And you can sort of just read through all these all these papers and 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 see basically have a very good view on on the state of the art of synthetic speech AI. It's not really related to speech recognition, but actually the synthetic speech. Dimitro, thank you very much for joining us uh, today at this uh, fantastic episode. Uh, looking forward to uh, take a look at what you are building and get, get into a little bit more about synthesized media and obviously train ourselves how to identify and see the good side of this amazing technology. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Kodish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.